welcome back to the Protect and Grow. I'm Tracy Cotton. And I'm Vicki Gibson. Together we host Protect and Grow, the podcast. If you're interested in agriculture and curious about insurance, you're in the right place. We can't wait to share our knowledge, experience, and stories with you. (laughs) Hey, Tracy, I've got a question. What? What's the best and the worst thing that happened to you last week or this week? Or I guess this week's just starting. But, you know, what's the best or worst thing you've dealt with last week? You know, here just lately, I had the opportunity to get out and do something I really enjoy. I got to go backpacking. It's something that I like to do and I've been doing for the last few years off and on. But this one was like a class which was exciting because I've known they've been having these for a while now and just never got a chance to get in on the waiting list. And this time I did, it was fantastic. We simply distanced up between Max Patch and the Roaring Fork Shelter on the AT. But it was not without its challenges. This whole social distancing thing, we literally like had to really try to stay apart from each other, which it's harder to do than you think when you're keeping And it was a little bit interesting because I wasn't used to being around a lot of beginner backpackers. And I mean, like, not that I'm not a beginner. That's the whole point of me being in the class. Mm -hmm. But there was, that was probably the best part was being part of this whole group. And it was really, really positive, except the worst part was that we had this one individual in the group who it didn't matter what we did or said. They were just having none of it. (laughs) And I'm not used to being around somebody who just, I mean, I was like literally after a couple of days with thought, why are you even doing this? I mean, the backpack was too tight. It was too heavy. Couldn't sleep because it was in a strange place. It's backpacking. You're going to sleep in a strange place. You're, you're going to have to carry a heavy load. You're carrying your whole world in one backpack. But overall, I thought getting to see the top of Max Patch in the sunshine and getting out finally after all these weeks of being cooped up, that was just the best thing ever. I'm going to ask well, you, I'm gonna ask you just because I'm, I'm familiar with the area you're talking about. But when you say A.T., um, you know, I know what you're talking about, but I'm just wondering if anybody else is going to tell them. So you might want to just let everybody know where you were because it's pretty awesome. So we just were on just a couple of miles going northbound on the Appalachian Trail. And it runs literally right along the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. And it keeps going, obviously. But that's the little part that I got to take a you know, just a little couple of days. Oh, it's beautiful over there. It's, uh, I like that place. <laughs> it, it is God's country. And I, and I did enjoy it. It was, it was beautiful, beautiful weather. I was glad that that was what I ended up getting to do. And it's just really right now. I mean, it was fun because we've just been cooped up for so long. Well, and the weather, you... the weather's good for you. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrific. I needed the sunshine. And I mean, Literally, I've got to know, what was your best and worst thing over the last couple of weeks? 
Well, funny. Mine is kind of like yours. It's all wrapped up into one little sweet little package that was the worst thing. And the best thing that happened to me, I got this crazy idea. Well, it's not really a crazy idea, but, you know, I have, t- I had two vehicles and um, one was a Tahoe and then I had my car and got to thinking there was really no sense in me keeping two vehicles right now. Something, especially something as big as a Tahoe. I mean, when I had, when my girls were younger, that type of thing, it was great to have, you know, plenty of room, plenty of space. So I decided I'm going to sell it. And then I said, oh, crud, how do you sell something like a car? Because I've never done that before. I've traded them in, um, but I've never actually sold one outright. So it was, I asked my son-in-law what to do, and he's like, Facebook Marketplace. It's the only place to sell a car right now. And, um, yeah, so I decided to take that adventure and went online, made up my ad, placed it. And um, it was an interesting experience. Uh, I got inundated with messages and, uh, you know, at first a little nervous, you know, single female and people wanting to come at all hours of the day and night. And, um it, you know, it got in my, you know, just kind of some people got the hair kind of standing up on you. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so then finally, because, yeah, okay, I, I'm not going to go into too many details. But finally, a few days, actually, it was a week and a half into trying to sell this vehicle. I have a woman. She says she's coming. I've, we've already, you know, I've already showed it a few times. But I have this woman. She sends me a message. And she, first of all, she wants to know if I'll take half of what I'm asking for it. No, sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah. Half of it. I'm like, no, I'm already like, I had done my research, you know, I'd looked at prices and compared mileage to what I had. And I knew I was like at a sweet spot. I was at a really good spot, knew how much I'd go down, but not much. I wanted to sell it. So that was it. So I tell her no. She finally comes back and she's like, okay, well, can I come see it? So she wants to come see, needless to say, she sets a time. 30 minutes after that time, I'm still standing outside in the heat waiting for her. And she starts asking me questions about the car. Does it have this? Does it have that? And I'm politely saying, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. She says, I have five children. I need a DVD player. And I just was like, well, I'm sorry, but it doesn't have a DVD player. I listed everything, you know, that was available, what the options were. I already told you what they were. So go through all that. Then she says, I finally am like, okay, um, are you, what time should I expect you? And she says that she's getting, she's just leaving. So this is great. Then I have somebody else want to see the car. So I get another message. This gentleman wants to come see the vehicle. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay, well, I have somebody looking at it right now. If she doesn't purchase it, you know, I'm like, I'll let you know. Needless to say, back and forth, back and forth. The woman never shows up. She ends up never showing up. And luckily, the guy that wanted to see it, you know, he shows, he actually came the next day. Loved it, paid cash for it. It was all said and done. I just 
never in my life realized how many crazy people they are out there until you go to sell something like that. It, I, I can't even. Yeah, it, it, it was experience. I hope I never have to experience again. <laughs> and that's just the truth. You know, I mean, I, I'm life has happened. Things changed and I didn't need the vehicle that large of a vehicle anymore. So it was just time to get rid of it. And, what a fun little crazy roller coaster ride it was. But I did head straight to the bank and put that money in. And let me tell you, when somebody pays you for a vehicle like that with a big wad of cash and you look at the, you know, I'm acting like I know exactly what I'm doing, holding the money up and I'm looking at it. But I take it to the bank and she, the clerk, or I guess they call them clerks at the bank. Anyway, she puts it in the money count machine and it's going, and I'm just silently playing, you know, I'm over there going, oh, please, dear Lord, let all of it be real. <laughs> <laughs> and it went through one time and then she had to stick it back through again and it's counting and my heart just kind of dropped. And I was like, oh, baby Jesus, please. And um, sure enough, it was all, it was all good. And um, it was done. And I never, ever will do that again. So that was my good and my bad. Well, <laughs> you know, I did mention something and I, I have to use it to kind of kick us off because we got a lot to talk about it tonight, but you mentioned something really important, Vicki, is that literally life changes quickly. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, if you're getting married, if you're selling a car for that matter, a parent, becoming a parent, a homeowner. You're changing jobs. Maybe you're retired or you're planning a retirement. You know, financial security, it's a, it's a concern. It, it's absolutely a concern that we all have at some point. And a combination of insurance protection, savings, and investments that accumulate over time, it is the key to achieving financial security. And I know you can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, for me, you know, as an agent, uh, my job is all about helping people, you know, build a wall of protection around the people they love, you know, the things that they work so hard for. And insurance is the perfect tool. It really is. Um, you know, it done correctly and set up, you know, it leaves one financially secure. Uh, there's so many risks out there. And I personally like to talk about, you know, I always bring up a few of those risks that people face, you know, one of them's health and making sure somebody has health insurance, because as much as we all want to think, you know, we're always going to be healthy and we're never going to get sick and nothing's going to happen to us, things happen. And so part of taking care of you and your finances is making sure that you have health insurance. And if I can help in any way, you know, obviously we're going to discuss health insurance. The next thing um, I always bring up is disability insurance, you know, that ties right back into it. We all think and accidents happen and too often we're seeing people become disabled and uh, they're not being able to make me ends meet. Another key to that is life insurance and, um, you know, how are you covering your life when we talk life insurance? We're talking about um, if something happens and you don't come home, how are the bills going to get paid? 
And then I always talk about longevity and it's something I don't think we think about enough. And that is, you know, people are living longer and longer all the time, Tracy. And the longer we live, the more money we need. So we hit retirement age and are we set up to have what we need financially to take us from the time we retire until the time we pass away. And part of that includes long-term care. You know, at some point in our lives, you know, most of us are going to have to face that time where we're going to need long-term care, whether it's at home or in a facility, but we just want to make sure that the finances are there to cover it. So that that's part of those, what I call my brick and mortar that I use to build that wall of, you know, security for my clients. Well, you know, I think that you've touched on a, a really interesting point because I know from my background, years of spending time talking to people about insuring their vehicles, insuring their house. I mean, nowadays people insure their phones, literally their phones. But I mean, insuring your life, I mean, shouldn't that be a priority too? So I really wanted you to give us a real good idea, like really just delve into it for us because I know that this is a sweet spot for you, something that you've spent a lot of time and a lot of attention on learning and actually understand so the rest of us can understand just how how do you ensure a life? <laughs> yeah, it's really not as complicated as we first think it is, you know, when we sit down and we look at it and um, the first part of it that I'm going to bring up is, you know, just talking about long-term care. Uh, you know, if you if a person develops a chronic illness, they become disabled, and they can no longer take care of themselves for an extended period of time, they're going to need some long-term care. Some- and, uh, you know, a lot of times I've had people say, oh, I'm young. I don't need that. But a good thing, you know, it shouldn't say a good thing, but here's a, something I would like to share. And my previous, t- during a previous time in, a, in my life, um, I was a medical massage therapist. And I got called, what? yeah, um, I was called by a woman that I knew in the community. And she asked me if I would meet with her. And I did. And she explained to me that she had a son who had had a car accident, you know, in his early 30s, and he was now in a nursing home. He was unable to speak, um, you know, was bedridden, and she was concerned about mobility and things with him. And I remember walking in there, and there is a gentleman who was actually younger than me in a long-term care facility. And it really made me realize that it's not just an old person problem. It is an everyday, everybody problem. Um, There was a study that I recently read um, by Ginworth. It was done in 2017 about the cost of care survey, and it was conducted by CareScout. I'm just going to share these numbers because it's pretty enlightening. Uh, the median cost of a home health aid for an eight-hour day is more than $49,000 a year. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, a nursing home care facility, you know, if you want a private room, and most of us would like to think that if we were there, we'd be able to be in a private room, 
you know, the median cost is running about $98,000 a year. Oh, yeah. Wow. And a chronic care illness, you know, it, resulting in the need of a chronic care, it, you think about it, it's going to deplete anybody's savings very quickly. Um, it, it's exactly. going to be a little painful on the pocketbook. And uh, the other fact that I've seen recently that, you know, made me stop and think is that there's a 70% chance a person will need some type of long-term care after the age of 65. 65 isn't really that far away, um, at least for some of us. And so it's like 70% of the people at some point are going to need it. You know, long-term care doesn't necessarily mean that you need it forever. But it's, but you need it. Um, So, you know, it's, just want to mention, you know, it's, like I said earlier, it's not just for old people. Anyone that has been in an accident or suffered a debilitating illness could require around-the-clock care. Um, In fact, 40% of patients receiving long-term care are under the age of 65. I mean, let that sink in. Yeah. So... I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and literally, of course, I mean, you think about that young man you were talking about. I mean, think about what his life must have been like. You know, he he was trying to earn a living. I mean, as most of us are. And I mean, that's our largest asset. That's what we have to build on. Like, we're expecting to be able to work until we retire. Hello. But what if? If we were debilitated by an illness, I mean, I, I mean, any kind of illness, cancer, et cetera, or injury, and then we could not work. Yeah, and well, then, then we're even burdened by the fact that we're disabled. Absolutely. I mean, okay, you know. no, you you hit you hit the nail right on the head there. You know, we've got long term care, and then there's disability too. And so when I take a step back, and you were talking about the gentleman and the long-term care facility, you know, I want to mention he was married and had a small child. Wow. So, you know, their family funds were no longer, you know, they had to funnel them in different ways. And luckily, you know, his parents were able to step in and help and um, get him the care that he needed. Unfortunately, he didn't have any type of long-term care coverage. That's just, I mean, it's just so heavy to think about. Those little beeps. Um, But he didn't have that long-term care coverage, nor did he have any disability insurance either. Oh, wow. I mean, literally, like, how how long is somebody going to be able to handle if, like, say, for instance, they just, they weren't already put into a long-term care facility. They're just trying to make ends meet because... They, they suddenly are, are, are find themselves disabled. I mean, without a paycheck, I mean, how can you expect to make mortgage, rent? I mean, put food on the table. I mean, disability is the answer. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. You know, according to uh, a study by Life Happens uh, said, you know, I think it's one in four would have problems immediately if they were faced with having, you know, were, were faced with a disability and had to live without their paycheck and seven in 10 working Americans couldn't make it a month before they'd be in financial bind. 
Yeah, and that's where that disability insurance comes in. It's like insuring your paycheck. If you're unable to work because of an illness or an injury, it will ensure that you continue to receive an income um, and make sure that you can make ends meet. We are quickly, you know, so quickly we all hop in and we insure our home. We insure our auto. We insure our other possessions like you were saying earlier. And why aren't we protecting our paychecks as well? You're right. I mean, this all kind of comes down to, you know, to think about those kinds of things beyond our possessions. I mean, we're thinking about the things that really matter. And I mean, literally speaking, nobody really wants to think about life insurance. I mean, because this is what we're leading up to, right? We're talking about long-term care and disability, but then there's the really heavy part. I mean, to think about our lives are a gift. It's not a guarantee. I mean, it's not so much about how much life insurance a person needs, but how their family has needs when they're not there. I mean, we talked about what to do if they're still there trying to make rent, but I mean, people just shouldn't fool themselves. I mean, anything could happen and then they're just gone, absolutely gone. And their family is left with no more paychecks, but still has the bills. I mean, it's ridiculous just how, how much that could affect the future of any family. Oh yeah. You know, life insurance or as I like to call it love insurance. Um, you know, there, there are two different types of life insurance coverage and that's, there's a term and there's a permanent coverage and, you know, it can seem confusing for some people. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of break those two, two terms down. Term life Insurance has guaranteed premium, so you know exactly this is what you're going to pay for a fixed amount of time. So if you have a 20-year term policy for 20 years, you're going to pay the same amount. Now, with generally most companies, you're able to set up whether you're paying it monthly, quarterly, you know, yearly, however you want to pay it. But it's the same amount of money for a very specific amount of time. Um, It's a good solution for temporary needs. So if you know that you've recently bought a home and you're a little concerned about making sure there's enough coverage for a home, a term policy would be great because you know you're going to pay your loan off. You have a 30-year loan, so we want to get a 30-year term policy. It's great for things like that. Permanent life, though. Permanent life insurance plans are designed to provide coverage for your entire life. So depending on how you set it up, and and there's multiple products within a permanent life policy, but they're all set up the same to give you coverage throughout your whole life, not just a small amount of time. Most of those, um, you know what your premium's going to be. You're paying your premium. You're going to continue to pay the premium to a very specific time. You're young enough and you set it up. You can get it to where you're only paying until the age of 65. Or you can be paying until, you know, unfortunately, the day you pass away. But that has a a life benefit that's going to follow you throughout your life. Um, so you don't have to worry about 20 years. I'm 20 years older. Now I need more life insurance. What am I going to do? Because life insurance is based off of, or the price, I should say, the premium is based off of your current age. And that's where it gets tricky. And that's why it's important to go ahead. The earlier you can get it, the better off you're going to be. 
so that all makes sense to me. And I knew that you'd be able to make sense of all of this. I think the first question that most people have is just strictly, do I need life insurance? That's a good question. And you'd be surprised um, how often I hear it or that I don't know that I really need life insurance thing. And, um, you know, basically, if someone you love is depending on you financially, you need life insurance. I mean, when, and especially if you are your child's one and only, you know, life insurance is a must in that situation. Uh, have you promised to protect your spouse and your children? Life insurance is the key to protecting them. Um, it gives them a level of financial protection that will allow your family continue without you. Nothing worse than a family losing a parent, you know, a spouse. There's no life insurance. They owe on a home. They can't pay it off because one salary is not enough to continue. Now they're having to sell the home. Um, and make other financial decisions that's changing their lives. So they've already had this huge loss. Now we're having to make a whole nother change too. And so life insurance can really help kind of pave a way to make a, someone's passing as smooth as it can be. I mean, it's always painful, but no one should be having to deal with the pains of financial burdens as well. Um, the other thing I bring up, and it's something that I see a lot. And I will say I have donated to them numerous times. But I don't know about you, Tracy, but a GoFundMe page just to help pay for somebody's funeral. Um, you know, there's, there's easy ways to get a life policy that we would call just a, a burial policy, just enough to cover a funeral. You know, I don't ever want my family, anyone in my family to be burdened with having to cover my last expenses as far as a funeral goes. An example of that um, is my own, somebody in my family, um, and they lost a family member and had to take on the debt to just make sure that the burial was taken care of. And now they're having to wait and trying to get the estate taken care of so that they can be reimbursed for those expenses. But it's still out of their pocket. And if things on the estate end don't work out completely, they could be at a loss. And um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to um, see families have to go through that. It's just not a fun situation. So... If I'm hearing you right, that literally means that even if, say, for instance, I don't have, like, I'm single and I don't have a spouse to worry about and, and maybe everything else is taken care of, I don't have a financially dependent family member, but still, I mean, that kind of leaves my family in the lurch when I die. Exactly. I mean... Do you really want to pass your debt on to your surviving family members? I mean, if you were to prematurely die, your debt is still there. And then, like I said, who yeah. and how is your funeral going to be paid for? Are you leaving enough money there? And we've got to remember, funerals need to be taken care of pretty quickly. You know, the funeral homes, there, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> ready and they want to know how things are going to get paid for. And it takes a while to settle an estate. 
with a death benefit check, it's pretty quick. We can turn around and get one out very quickly. Um, you know, and the other thing, talking about somebody who's single, you know, especially young and sing- younger and single, uh, the, the earlier yep. in your life you purchase your life insurance, the cheaper it's going to be. Your health is better when you're younger. And so our, the majority of the times your health is much better. Uh, so your rates are going to be, your rates right. are going to, your premiums are going to be much better too. So don't put it off because that's kind of when sometimes the little bit of sticker shock can come into play because we hear, oh, you know, it's this, it's that, it's another. And then we put it off until we're in our 40s, 50s when we start thinking about it. And then we see how much it is. And it's like, oh, I really should have purchased it back when I had the chance, you know, when my agent first talked to me about it 20 years ago. Well, and that brings to mind another question is that I know that for a lot of us who've been out in the workplace for a while, sooner or later, we we're told that we have some sort of life insurance and we think that's all we need? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so my question there, first of all, is I'm always happy to hear when somebody has ins- some type of life insurance. You know, some insurance, some life insurance is better than no life insurance. I say that a lot. However, you know, my question is going to be, how much life insurance do you have? Do you know that? Do you also know how much life insurance you really need based on, you know, your debt? and different things like that that you're expecting to do with your financial situation in life. Um, So is it enough to cover your needs? And also, do you know what type of product it is? Uh, You know, life insurance through the workplace Mm -hmm. is generally offered through a company group plan. So therefore, if you were to leave your current job, you would be no longer part of that company, and therefore you would no longer be part of that group plan, and you'd have no coverage. And so what we see is somebody, you know, takes that first job out of college, you know, 10 years, 15 years, they've been paying life insurance there. All of a sudden, they get offered a great job someplace else. They move to another company. They're there. Let's say they pick up life insurance at the next company. Great. They have coverage again. Sometimes the coverage we usually see, you know, maybe one or two times whatever your salary is, which I always say, check that. Is it one or two times your salary? And does that cover how much you owe on your home? Think about that. Okay. So now I'm going to go back to the fact that let's say Bob's on a second job with a second company. He is offered another job with another company. So he says goodbye to one. He's going to take a week vacation before he starts his next job. At his next job, he has some benefits. But he basically is not currently employed yet. While he is out on vacation, an accident happens, and Bob is in an accident, and unfortunately, he loses his life. He's in limbo with no life insurance because he has started his job and he had left his other job so I always say it's great I love to hear people have life insurance with their current job but it's also important to make sure you have another policy that's a permanent policy 
that's yours no matter what, that you're the person paying for it or your spouses or whomever the payee is on it. It's being paid for, but it's yours and it's going to follow you everywhere you go. Um, you're covered. Okay, so what if, though, I'm actually the stay-at-home parent, not the breadwinner? Okay, so you're staying at home and you're watching little ones? Let's say that. Let's yeah. go with that scenario because I do see that a lot. So we have the person, they're staying at home, so we're in a one-income family, we're making ends meet. Everything seems great. So why do why does Sally need insurance? Or why does David need insurance if they're the ones staying at home with the kids? My first question is, if something happens to David or Sally, who's taking care of the children? Mm. Who's yeah. taking care of it? Will the salary of the spouse or the other partner, is that going to cover the new debt that's going to come into either childcare or hiring a nanny and think about it. We, we talk about children and we have a tendency to always think those early years, but until a child really is able to start driving and getting themselves places, somebody needs to be able to be there to take them to a soccer game or to, um, swim practice or cheerleading or gymnastics or piano or whatever it is, or yeah. to Bobby's birthday party, um, mm. you know, somebody needs to be available to do that. And if you're working a job, you know, that has 20, you know, 40 hours a week or more, and you don't have the liberty of being able to take off whatever to go take care and do the things that your child needs, who's going to do that? Are you going to have to hire somebody? And if you have to yeah, hire exactly. somebody, where is that money coming from? And that's where that life policy on a stay-at-home parent comes into play or a stay-at-home spouse comes into play. Who's going to take care of the things at home? You know, you're talking about who's going to pay what. I mean, I know that the other thing that I'm sure you get asked is, do beneficiaries pay taxes on life insurance? Okay. So beneficiaries, obviously, are the people that receive the death benefit. So it's who. And generally, when beneficiaries of a life policy um, receive the death benefit, that money is not counted as a taxable income. Uh, the benefit, yeah, oh. that's pretty sweet, isn't it? Um, so the beneficiary yeah. taxes on it. How, you know, there are a few situations in which there could be a small tax burden. And that's why it's so important important to work with an agent, a financial advisor, you know, when you're setting up life policies. Because um, there can be some things when businesses are involved and some different things that could change that. Uh, but the right planning can help remove that too, that tax burden. So I, I feel very comfortable in just saying generally it's always going to be tax tax exempt, so to speak. Well, that's good news. But, you know, I know that I, I've heard a lot of people ask about the question of children. You know, do my children need life insurance? And, I mean, after all, you're not relying on them, like, financially or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it'd be great if our children were bringing home 
bringing home the paycheck, right? Um, but yeah, a permanent life policy for a child can offer them financial security later in life. Um, there are policies or products out there that have some cash. Oh, I'm trying to think of the right word or the wording that I want to do. It's kind of like a savings built into it. So as you're paying a wow. premium, uh, there's some investments going on. So it helps build more cash value in the product. And so later yeah. on in life, uh, there's money there that child, your child could, you know, possibly borrow from, uh, use, things like that. You know, while there are tax advantage options for like college savings and retirement, there aren't for major expenses like a down payment on a car or for a wedding or a down payment on a house. And that cash value and a whole life policy can be borrowed from. Uh, so, you know, there's oh. some money there and they see that they can borrow it out. Now, granted, it does lower the death benefit if it's not repaid, right. but if it's repaid, then, you know, that death benefit is also, you know, brought back up. The other point that I always, I think this is the most important one for me, uh, is that a healthy baby doesn't always guarantee a healthy adult. No. So, you know, ensuring your child's insurability is really what you're doing when you decide to get a child's life policy or juvenile policy, uh, you're guaranteed, you know, I mean, unfortunately, people's health are going to change. We all know that, including even your children. I mean, I can't tell you how many uh, times I've heard, you know, about a child developing, um, uh, let's just say, well, first of all, we all know there's childhood cancers, but childhood yep. diabetes, uh, and other, you know, there's multiple things that could go on here that later on in life would mean that they would not qualify for life insurance. And there's policies out there, or riders that you can add to life policies that would allow your child to increase the amount of death benefit during certain periods of their life without them having to prove that they are stir that they are still in perfect health, so to speak. So even if they were to get sick, they can still continue to get life insurance as they need it. That's a pretty important thing. It really is. But you know another important thing, because what's near and dear to my heart, and I know I want to talk about is I want to hear what you have to say about life insurance protecting family farms. <laughs> yeah. Well, we both know how much blood and sweat and tears, you know, go into a farm. We also know how expensive it is to keep a farm running and maintain. Um, and those are costs that you want whoever inherits your farm uh, to be able to afford. I think that's important to, yeah. you know, everybody out there. Um, and you know, in life insurance, um, is life insurance the sole answer to keeping the family farm in the family, um, as well as keeping it financially sound, so to speak? Not necessarily, but it does do um, 
it does do a good job in helping. It'll definitely help do some things as part of family farm succession planning. Life insurance can help protect your farm from being, um, I'm sorry, let me, re- let me rephrase that. As part of that planning, your life insurance can help protect your farm from being, you know, being lost due to the inability to pay inheritance taxes. So that, yeah, you set that, that death benefit um, goes to the person who will be paying those inheritance taxes. Um, There's also ways of um, helping so that an heir can have a life insurance on their parent and therefore they can use that money to buy out the estate from, you know, a sibling or somebody else when a death occurs. Because that that we often see farms basically, you know, having to sell out because one family member does not want to continue to farm and the other family member doesn't have the means to, you know, pay them. So we do see that getting set up. It's also important to talk about the cash value in a whole life policy. You know, as we said with the child policy, there's something there you can borrow from whole life policy for an adult, you know, if a need arises, the policy owner can borrow from the cash value that's there. Um, There's multiple ways to set up life policies that are going to be a bit of a benefit to a farm. And when we talk about farm, you know, we can also say with any type of business and also just with life in general. Um, you know, life insurance is that love insurance. We, we love our, we love our loved ones and we don't want them to suffer when we're gone. Um, we want them to be able to live in the house they're living in. We want them to continue to live the way they're living. We want our children to be, still be able to go to school. Uh, you know, all of those things we can get covered with life insurance and I can't stress how important it is. I, my biggest thing as an agent is ever having to deal with the death of one of my clients and not be able to offer the family, you know, be able to take that death benefit check to them. And yeah, it's a, it's a scary world. We all think we're all okay and we're all safe and, talking about farms I really can't stress everything we discussed as far as having long-term care and disability as well as the life insurance because there's also products within life insurance that we can add in there that'll help pay out if something were to happen and you just could no longer continue your life the way you are and you're having to get help getting dressed or eating Um, there's riders that can be added to life policies that'll do a one-time payout to you to help get you through those times. And we both know the chances of something happening on a farm are pretty high. Uh, the risks that farmers oh. farmers and ranchers face daily are, are numerous. And making sure that the proper coverage is there is, um, is part of my job. It's part of, you know, it's part of making sure that we're all good. We're all safe and we're all going to be able to continue Um, as sad as it may be that we lose somebody. We want to know that lives can continue. 
That's such good information, Vicki. You made it so clear. I mean, like really brought it down to where, I mean, it made sense to me. And, you know, I barely ever do anything with life insurance. So that was fantastic. I appreciate all your depth of knowledge there. It just really, really, really helps. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's, there's so much more to it. That was just kind of a quick overview. You know, I can't stress enough to sit down, even if you say, oh, financially, I can't do this. I can't afford life insurance. I say, don't say that until you sit down and you talk to your agent, um, talk to an agent about it. There's different ways to set stuff up. It can be some term, some whole, but something needs to be get in place. And you can kind of build um, our, our setup kind of a, uh, a plan of action. If we're at this point and we know you need this much life insurance, let's see what we can do to eventually get you to that point. And uh, every agent I've ever known, you know, more than happy to go over that and help you build, build that, build that protection around you. That's it. Exactly. And it's these kinds of topics that bringing out on this podcast, I think, are going to help people ask the right questions to their agents. We're here. And as always, we thank you for joining Protect and Grow, the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate you sharing our time so that we can talk to you about these great topics. And before we go, we would like to ask that you would show us some love. Follow us on Twitter. Um, tell your friends, your colleagues. Because, I mean, like, listen, I mean, you heard of the topic tonight. Everybody needs to hear about that, right? Most importantly, subscribe to Protect and Grow so you don't miss the next episode. Exactly. Um, I get the lovely task of discussing the legal stuff. So here it goes. This is a personal podcast, and any views or opinions in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the hosts. That's two of us. And do not represent those people, institutions, organizations, or businesses that the hosts may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity, unless explicitly stated. That's, That's it. it. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.